It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello, good afternoon and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this episode, we're going to be discussing Mikel Arteta's press conference ahead of the game against Slavia Prague in the UEFA Europa League. It very much is Europa League or bust for Arsenal now. And uh, as our attention shifts towards that game against Slavia Prague, the big headline is that Kieran Tierney will be ruled out for four to six weeks. And Mikel Arteta refused to confirm that he will play again this season. So big, big concerns in the left-back position for Arsenal. We're going to be taking you through word for word what Mikel Arteta said. I'll be sharing my thoughts on it as well. And as always, I want to hear from you guys in the live chat, in the comments section. So please do get involved. A uh, big hello to everybody already in the chat. Hope you're all well. A uh, big hello to Anton, to Sam, to Josh, to Steve. Uh, to Jack, to Omar. Hope you're all well. Um, I want to start off by saying thank you to those of you who tuned in to the Talk Sport 2 uh, Mikel Arteta special. It was an hour-long show with myself and Adi Oladipo. Um, honestly, so thrilled to have been asked to co-host it alongside a brilliant broadcaster like Adi on, of course, a massive radio station. Uh, so a big thank you to Adi and to producer Jeremy as well uh, for thinking of me. So thank you so much, guys. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, I hope those of you that did manage to catch it uh, enjoyed it. Let's go into uh, Mikel Arteta's press conference, though. Let's uh, let's start looking at uh, or, or start dissecting uh, what he had to say. And I think we've got to start off with the injury news because, of course, that is the big news. And as I said, the headline being Kieran Tierney has an issue with his left knee. It's been revealed that he sustained ligament damage to that knee during Saturday's match against Liverpool. He will not require surgery. And it's hoped that Kieran will be back in full training within four to six weeks. Doesn't mean he's going to be fit and ready to play in four to six weeks, it means that he will be back in training. So it could still be another couple of weeks after that, particularly with this type of injury before we see uh, Kieran Tierney back in the side. So, um, yeah, uh, it, it's a problem, isn't it? And it's, it's particularly a problem when you look at that Arsenal squad and you can't see another natural left back. There isn't one in the group. Sarah Kolasinac is out on loan. Ainsley Metlanars, who had filled in there from time to time, is, of course, out on loan. Um, you know, you you look at the options now and you're probably looking at Cedric uh, would probably be my choice, I think. I know a lot of people would, would lean towards um, Bukayo Saka as somebody who could come in and do that role. He has done that role previously for Arsenal and done it very, very well to his credit. But for me, I think if you take Bukayo Saka out of the forward line, I think you lose too much. So I'd go with Cedric at left back. That would be my solution. You know, yes, there are a couple of other options if you really want to sort of start widening the search. And, 
you know, Callum Chambers has, has played at right back and done okay lately. Could you put Hector Bellerin over there? Um, I would lean towards playing Bellerin at right back now and uh, and playing Cedric at left back. I'm not big on this Callum Chambers at full back thing. Um, you know, I thought he played really well at West Ham, but I thought he looked out of his depth against Liverpool. So I'm not sure what I would do with regards to him uh, on Thursday night. But I think Cedric is the most experienced of the fullbacks that we have available. And he's the one that could probably best cope with playing on his wrong side. He also gives us a lot going forward. I know it's on his weaker side and I know that's a problem. But Cedric is it is someone who does use the ball well when he gets into the attacking third. And I think given our team is geared to attacking primarily down the left-hand side, I think you have to replace uh you know, you have to replace Kieran Tierney with someone capable of doing that. And that for me, or the player best equipped to do that for me, is Cedric Suarez. So that would be my choice at left back. Let's see what you guys are saying um in the live chat box. Um Yo-Yo says, was Tierney signing a mistake? in light of his injury record before and since joining. I'm not sure it was a mistake, but I think that, you know, there's no getting away from the fact that injuries were an issue for Kieran Tierney prior to him coming to the football club. And you could say that the team probably should have, or that those making the decisions should have been a little bit, um, what's the word? Should have been a little more diligent, should have been maybe a little bit more cautious about it. But Ultimately, you know, we've all seen what a great player Kieran Tierney can be when fit. So I'm not going to jump on the club's back and say that, that, you know, they completely got this wrong. However, I did say at the time, and if you listen back to the podcast during that transfer window, when Tierney was being linked, you know, for a while, actually, before the deal was eventually done, I did express my concerns about Kieran Tierney's fitness record. And the fact that his injury problems uh, were, were so frequent at a young age, I think set alarm bells ringing or should have set alarm bells ringing. So big problem for me. Um, is it a mistake though? I think hindsight is a wonderful thing. I think it'd be too easy uh, to say that. Lots of you asking me who I would play at left back. I've answered that already. I, I think that Cedric is probably uh, the best option. Cavill says, hey, Harry Saka at left back is not a bad thing. He played there lots last year and made a name for himself. And with Martinelli at left wing, let's do it. I'm not against Saka playing there, right? If if the team sheet comes out uh, for the game against Slavia Prague and, and it is Bukayo Saka playing at left wing back or left back, sorry, you're not going to get me complaining. I just, uh, if it were me and I had to make that decision and I've thought about this quite a lot today since the news broke, I think I would go, um, you know, with... Uh, with uh, with Cedric for the reasons I've already mentioned. Uh, Graham sums it up nicely. I think he says signing him wasn't a mistake, loaning out his two replacements was. And I think that Ser Kalasinac, you know, is someone who has had a lot of stick from Arsenal fans. But I'd still probably rather have Ser Kalasinac at left back, a confident Ser Kalasinac at left back than shoehorning in a right back into that position just because of the fact that we use them so frequently to get forward. And actually, if you're going to be fair on Ser Kalasinac, and I know a lot of Arsenal fans don't like him, and I know a lot were glad to see the back of him when he joined Schalke on loan. But if there is one strength that Ser Kalasinac has, it is getting forward. And I think that Kalasinac would have been an ample replacement. No, wrong word. Would have been a good enough replacement in an attacking sense, but defensively, that's where I would have had an issue. Um, 
you know it's not necessarily about it's not necessarily about the wanting Kalasinac to play but it's it's Graham's point which is a good one is that We've left ourselves extremely short in that position and it's a problem. Uh, Matt G says, is there anyone in the youth team we can promote to left back? There's been a lot of talk about this as well, um, you know, over the last few weeks. Uh, you know, I mean, I look at I look at the, the group, I look at the under-23s. Joel Lopez is the one that sort of sticks out as a potential option, signed back in 2018 from Barcelona, uh, just 19 years of age, has played 13 times in the Premier League two this season. But having not seen en- enough of him, having pr- not seen pretty much any of think of him, it's very difficult for me to say, Matt, and very difficult for me to, you know, give a, a, a validated or, or an informed opinion on whether he should be pushed into the team. But no, I, I I can't say yes because of the reasons I've just mentioned. Haven't seen enough from him and don't know uh, at what level he's at. I hear good things, but I'm not sure. Um, and, and Yo-Yo just sums up my thoughts on Kalasinac perfectly here. Strong runner, strong at getting forward, but unreliable um, at times as well. And, and and I agree with that. I agree with that completely. <laughs> um Let's let's go back to some more injury news because it, along with that sort of bad news, actually, let's get the bad news out of the way first. The other bit of bad news is that Martin Odegaard is a doubt. Uh, he's been experiencing discomfort to his right ankle since he went on international duty and Martin is being assessed ahead of Thursday's match regarding his availability. So one of our biggest creative forces could potentially be out as well. So another disappointing bit of injury news, um, you know, coming out of the camp today. But in a more positive light, uh, we do know that all of Bukayo Saka, Emil Smith-Rowe and Granit Xhaka will all be available for selection. And that comes as a massive boost. Still without David Luiz, of course, because he uh, is has undergone surgery on that right knee. But we will have Saka, Xhaka and Emil Smith-Rowe all back and available for Thursday night, which comes as a big boost. Obviously, there's problems in the group. The defensive problems are an issue at the moment. Um, and of course, you know, Odegaard being out is a problem as well. Does you put Emil Smith-Rowe um, back in the number 10 position? Do you push Nicolas Pepe onto one of the flanks maybe? Um, you know, w- what do you do um, to deal with that? We're going to have to wait and see. Is it going to be Aubameyang from the left? Is it going to be Oda, uh, sorry, Emil Smith-Rowe through the middle and Saka from the right? I probably think that that is the most likely uh, decision that he will come to. Not sure I agree with it. I've said it uh, for the last few days. I'm not feeling Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang playing from the left at the moment. I don't think it works. I don't think it complements what we're trying to do. I think Aubameyang, when we were playing with a back three, the wing backs giving us width and then Aubameyang as a almost left-sided striker rather than a left winger in a 4-2-3-1. I thought that worked better. But this current position for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang isn't doing him and it isn't doing Arsenal any favours at the moment. It is a square peg in a round hole and we're not getting the best out of our captain and out of our talisman as a result of that. Um, So yeah, interesting to see what Mikel does. Does he have the balls, quite frankly, to drop his captain? Does he have the balls to, to look at his recent performances Acknowledge that they're not good enough and then follow that up by making the call. I think a lot of Arsenal fans want to see him make now. I don't speak for everyone, 
But I think there are a lot of Arsenal fans out there now losing patience with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, frustrated by what they've seen from him in the last few months and probably uh, would be in the in the camp that says, leave him out. But let's see. Um, let's see. Let's um, let's talk a little bit about the rest of the press conference. Mikel Arteta was talking uh, about Slavia Prague. He said he will not be taking them lightly. And that's good to know because they've already knocked out Leicester and Rangers in this competition. And it's interesting to note that, of course, the, the, the damage has been done by Slavia Prague on the road. And of course, with the first leg being at the Emirates Stadium, we are going to have to be on guard. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, let's uh, be alert. Let's be at our best and let's make sure that we prevent any shocks uh, taking place. But talking about Slavia, he said they are a really strong side. I think in the last few years, they've been competing at the highest level. They've always been in the game and made it really difficult. They're really competitive, brave, very direct and incisive and a team that can cause you problems throughout the game. They never give up. They have a top attitude all the time and that's why they beat teams because they're a really good side. I would like to highlight the collective performance they put in. Obviously, they have some really good individuals, but they've had some really good players that they've sold in recent years. The market is looking at them because they've been a really good side and we know that they have some really interesting players there. Uh, so uh, interesting to hear uh, his thoughts on that. He did touch a little bit on the Lucas uh, Torreira um, situation. There's been quotes that have sort of emerged in, in recent days suggesting that the well, the player suggested that he wants to uh, go to Boca Juniors. Uh, you know, Mikel Arteta talked about the fact that, that Arsenal have been in contact with him. Of course, he recently lost his mother. He says, we've spoken to him and we know how difficult a time this is for him. He was really attached to his mum and he's really attached to his family. It's a hard time for him. And emotionally, there is a lot of thoughts that will go through his mind. When things are like that, it's not the time to make decisions. I understand how he's feeling emotionally. He probably feels the need and responsibility to be closer to his family, but it's not the moment to make any decisions. And it certainly is a decision that has to be, be made by different parties. Now, nothing is going to change. It's just an interview with some comments. Let's see what happens. We know that when you recruit a player from a foreign country, when they have that struggle sometimes to adapt to a new culture, a new language, a new way of doing things, the risk is there. And then you have to be able to manage that risk and make the right decisions at the right time. So, of course, um, Mikel Arteta is showing some sympathy towards Lucas Torreira's situation, but rightly stating that for Lucas Torreira to join Boca Juniors or for Lucas Torreira to leave Arsenal at all, it's not just down to him. Decisions have to be made by a number of parties outside of just Lucas's to Lucas Torreira's control. So let's see what happens with that. I've said all along I expect him to probably be sold in the summer. And I think that his recent comments are probably edging him closer to that exit or toward that exit. But the money's still got to be right. The offer's still got to come in and Arsenal still have to accept that offer uh, for Lucas Torreira to be able to leave the club. Going back to the Kierantini thing, because Mikel Arteta talked about this uh, at length and actually he said that it could have been worse because the action looked quite scary. But he said that the feel the player is feeling better and the damage is not that bad. He said at the end of the day, it's not the bad news that maybe we were expecting after the game. So obviously we're devastated as fans, right? Four to six weeks without our only left back, without one of our standout players, without one of our only natural leaders on the pitch. 
But if we're upset about that, Mikel Arteta is slightly relieved because he feels it could have been a lot worse. So it's interesting to note that. Uh, he said we're going to have to see day by day how he's feeling, how he's reacting. Um, and when we get close to playing time and training with the team, depending where we are and how he's feeling, we'll make a decision. He talked about uh, the fact that we're going to have to make some adjustments because his qualities are unique and we don't have anybody else with those qualities within the squad unless we start to move a lot of pieces Without any time to train, it's a little bit dangerous to do, but we're going to have to find different ways to fulfill that gap and use other things that can be effective as well. So interesting. He made the point that in order to shift the whole team around to cater for that, it, it, it poses a risk. It might be dangerous. Um, you know, lots of you in the chat have suggested, and, and rightly so, you know, I think it's a, it's a perfectly fair suggestion to make that, that Bakayo Saka should come in at left back now and, and he should play there. But I think reading between the lines on Mikel Arteta's comments there, I don't think he's willing to move two players out of position as such to make that happen. I don't think he's willing to lose what Bakayo Saka brings to us in an attacking sense in order to cater for the absence of Kieran Tierney. That's why I think he'll go with Cedric. It's probably why I would go with Cedric as well. But having said that, I wouldn't put it past Mikel Arteta making that move. I just, I think that it's not the most likely outcome at the moment, but of course I could be wrong. Uh, so he talked uh, about that. And of course um, he was asked as well, interestingly about uh, the comments that, that Gary Neville uh, made about the club. Cause Gary Neville, he went a little bit over the top. I thought at the weekend, you know, he talked about there being a mafia uh, in the, um, you know, in the uh, in the group and that there were players who just weren't doing what he wanted. And and I acknowledge that they weren't doing what he wanted and they had a bad game and they had a, turned in a really poor performance and a really disappointing performance. But is there a mafia there? Is there a group that don't believe in Mikel Arteta? I'm not sure that there is. And I think that was a little bit irresponsible of Gary Neville, someone who's been in many dressing rooms, someone who's experienced, not many, but some difficult times in his career. Um, I think that was a I think that was a bit irresponsible for him to make such a strong statement without actually having a great deal to back it up. Were the team you know working particularly hard after we conceded the first goal against Liverpool I'd say no they weren't. But for me to to make a statement like that is completely irresponsible especially when it's not a club that you follow particularly closely when it's not a club that you have an inside understanding of and inside knowledge of. I felt like it was classic punditry um, with regards to trying to get a soundbite. You know, it's the perfect soundbite. It's a soundbite that's done the rounds. And Mikel Arteta responded by saying, I've got no response. He said, I think we have to respect every opinion. And when there is criticism coming after the way we played against Liverpool, we have to take it on the chin because it's fully deserved for the way that we played. It's no time to respond. It's time to talk on the pitch and show what we can do when we're full of gas. When we are at full gas, that is a lot. Interesting. Interesting. Um, he didn't want to criticise Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. That question repeatedly surfaced during this press conference. You know, is he an issue? Should he be uh, left out of the side? Or is it a, a wider issue? And I think it is a wider issue. Bear with me a second, guys. I don't know what the hell that is. Massive noise going on outside the door. Just uh, 
having a listen. One second, I'll be right with you. Apologies, 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 apologies. I had a delivery turn up and literally just smashed my fence down pretty much on the side of the house. Unbelievable stuff. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to have to uh, pause there just for a second, guys. So my apologies for that. One second. Nightmare. There we go. Oh my God. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Jesus Christ. Get a delivery. The geezer obviously rings the doorbell. I'm not in the house. I'm in the man cave. Instead of leaving it with a neighbor, instead of dropping it over the fence like they've done sometimes too, because you can get to it from the side. He's literally smashed my fence down. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable stuff. Oh dear, 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 dear. Sorry about that. I have to apologize. What was I saying? What was I talking about? What were we talking about? So unprofessional of me, Jesus. Um, <laughs> Somerset Guna, uh, Harry is in his bunker. John P, driver is not a Xhaka fan. Um, Aditya says, it's okay, Harry, take your time. No, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I hate when stuff like that goes wrong, especially when you're on a live, but I thought my fence was going to fall down genuinely. Like I could just hear this loud banging from outside and I thought, Jesus Christ. Um, yo, yo, thank you for putting me back on track. Uh, Arteta answering the Oba question. That's what we were talking about. He didn't want to criticize him, did he? He didn't want to criticize the individual. But the fact is that the individual is not performing. And, you know, a lot of people have made reference to the fact that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's goal record isn't as impressive as it was last season and all of that. And I get that and I acknowledge that. Um, but what I would say is, for me, it's not it's not really the um, it's not really the goal return that's been a problem for me. It's the overall game. It's the overall performance. A lot of that is down to the fact that I don't think he he fits in this system. I don't think it's working and et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, he's got to show more in terms of his application. He's got to show more in terms of his passion, in terms of his desire, in terms of his work rate. And all of that is missing. And add to that the disciplinary issues that we've had to deal with as well. Then, you know, you can understand why there are a lot of Arsenal fans out there that are frustrated with him. But Arteta hung his hat on Aubameyang. I've said it all season. He he urged the club to break the bank, to keep him at Arsenal. And, you know, and he feels as though he needs to, he needs to back that decision up now. He feels a loyalty to the player who's, who's ultimately, um, you know, ultimately committed his future to the club and decided to stay put. Although I would argue that I don't think there were as many offers uh, for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang or any real interest for that matter. Um, you know, like some would have you believe. I actually think that he, you know, he, he toyed with the idea of leaving, but I don't think anybody came to the table with, with the right money. And I don't think anybody came to the table with anywhere near the money that he was getting paid, you know, by Arsenal 
or was going to get paid by Arsenal. There wasn't an offer like that in the pipeline. And and that's a lot of why Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang decided to stay. It's not because he loves Arsenal. Um, you know, <laughs> that kind of loyalty in football just simply doesn't exist anymore. So, um, yeah, there you go. Uh, what else did Mikel Arteta have to say? I, I think that's probably it in terms of the big key points. And so I'm going to put it over to you guys in the live chat. Any questions, drop them in the live chat and I will uh, I will pick up as many of those as I possibly can in the next 10 minutes or so. And again, apologies uh, for having to run off in the middle of the uh, <laughs> of a live podcast uh, to uh, collect my uh, delivery. Fucking joke. Absolute joke. Absolute bloody joke. But there you go. It is what it is. Uh, right. Let's uh, I saw a couple of questions in here already. So let's start off with those uh, whilst you guys fill up the chat box with more. Uh, Jimmy says maybe the driver was a spud. Honestly, man, I thought somebody was trying to was driving a car into my fence. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, right. What have we got here? What have we got here? in terms of uh, your questions. Oh, this is a good question. I like these kind of questions. World Soccer or 442 on a long train ride? Which magazine would I prefer to read on a long train ride? I'm going to go with 442 because it's got like sentimental value to me. I've been buying it since I was a kid. I'm probably one of the few losers that still subscribed and gets it posted through my letterbox every month as well. Uh, so 442 all the way for me. Although what I like about world soccer is it often highlights players and, and subjects that maybe we in the UK aren't completely aware of. So I like the fact that it's worldwide. Um, but they're both great. I would read either, but yeah, 442 just about for me. Uh, just about for me. Um, Maggie says, do you think Partey will get his first goal this season? Not unless he drastically improves his shooting because it's terrible. Um, it's really, really poor, isn't it? And um, he's got into the position on a number of occasions, but he's not been able uh, to, to make it count. Um, there we go. Uh, what else have we got here? Cavill says holding or Marie for centre-back tomorrow. I think because it's the right centre-back position that needs covering, I think he will pick Rob Holding. I I don't know about Marie in there. I, I like Pablo Marie. Do you play him there and maybe move Gabriel? Or, or do you play Marie on the left, sorry, and move Gabriel to the right or the other way around? I don't know. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I think because of the fact we're going to play with a right-footed left-back if Cedric starts. I think you might see Mikel Arteta try and maintain the balance in terms of players playing with their right feet for the benefit of playing out from the back. Uh, Inter says, bit over the top on 90 min yesterday, Harry, if I'm honest. Spent the, wild time, spent the whole time slagging Arsenal fans off just because they're not happy with the manager. I didn't spend the whole time slagging Arsenal fans off. Um, I think that I made a completely fair point when discussing with Grizz, Liverpool man. Um, I think that Liverpool's fans in general are more loyal than ours. They will stick by their club through thick and thin, whereas we are divided on things like our new away kit. Like, it's ridiculous. Like I do think that Liverpool fans, as a general statement, are more loyal to their football club. 
because it is more at the centre of everything they do. And and I'm not saying that there aren't dedicated Arsenal fans out there, but I think the Liverpool fan base is a better community in terms of the way they stick together than the Arsenal fan base. Genuinely, I do. I, I don't think that was an unfair comment. And I think that all of those who hounded out Arsene Wenger to the point where they crossed the line and they were disrespectful, you know, I think to a degree they kind of deserve um, watching the team struggle now. Not that I want the team to struggle, but, you know, you you didn't appreciate what we had. And that's not to say I still wanted him in charge or that he didn't outstay his welcome or that he wasn't there too long. Of course he was, but there's a way of doing things and, and there was a complete lack of respect shown in a way that I don't think other fan bases would have done. And that's why I say what I say. I think that people are too divisive. Um, people are too angry. People are too wound up. People are too horrible. Um, you know, and I think that it's, it's, um, it, for me, it's, it, there's no need for it. I think the term supporter is often forgotten. I think people lose sight of what a supporter is and they become a critic rather than a fan, rather than a supporter. And this is why, um, this is why we get this, these toxic debates, these, uh, you know, sort of these incidents online where people are getting abused. And Aditya points out that some Liverpool fans racially abused a couple of players last night and says they really don't deserve any credit. There are idiots, Aditya, in every single fan base in the world. Why? Because there are idiots everywhere you fucking turn. So I'm not saying that every single Liverpool fan is more loyal, but I think generally Liverpool fans have got more of a us against the world attitude and I will defend my club before anything else. I think they apply that better than we do. Honestly, I, I really do. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, I mean, anyone who says that our fan base is not toxic at times, as a general statement, I, I don't get where you're coming from on that. Um, you know, I, I just don't get it. Connor Bradley says, how can everyone agree a large part of this squad is not good enough but feel like sacking Mikel Arteta is the answer? New coach will have the same players. Allow Arteta to complete the overhaul and then judge. I completely agree with that, Connor. I think um, that's a really, really smart, um, really smart way of um, of putting it and, and to the point statement, concise statement. Michael S says, absolutely show more loyalty at Liverpool. They do. Uh, and people won't like that, but it's the truth. Um, John P says, I get annoyed when you do not agree with these people. They accuse you of slagging them off. No, uh, John, I I think you can disagree with someone in a respectful way. And a lot, everybody, in fact, on this channel does that. And that's why I love this channel. And that's why I love our members Discord server and all of that, because people can have different opinions without it becoming a cussing match. I think if you're someone who takes someone disagreeing with you, and purely someone disagreeing with you as them slagging you off or whatever, then that person is just as much of an idiot as the one slagging people off in the first place. There's no, there's nothing wrong with criticism in response to, to Omar's comment. Um, there's nothing wrong with criticism. You don't have to support everything, but when all is said and done, when your team go out on the pitch and they're wearing the red and white shirt of Arsenal, for me, you should be supporting them through thick and thin, and and 
save the kind of dissection for after. Um, you know, and and I don't think Arsenal fans do that enough. I really don't. And I also don't think that Arsenal fans, as again, it's a general statement, f- understand how much of a difference it makes to the players to know that a fan base is behind them and how much of a negative effect it can have when players go out on the field knowing that if they make a mistake, they are going to get hounded. They're not going to get the support where it says, I know you didn't mean it. We know it's not good enough. We're frustrated. We're disappointed and we're upset. But we also acknowledge that you did try your best and you didn't mean to make that mistake. Therefore, whilst we'll probably talk about it and we'll just dissect it, we're not going to start abusing your family online. We're not going to start calling for you to be kicked out. We're not going to start calling for the manager to be sacked. That's my point. As a player, it must weigh heavy on your shoulders knowing that the slightest mistake is going to lead to all of those things I've just mentioned. So um, that's what that's what I'm trying to say. You know, we've all seen players make mistakes. We've all seen great players make mistakes. You know, Thierry Henry, Champions League final, 2006, prime example. We should have won that. He should have won it for us. But Thierry Henry didn't miss those chances on purpose. You know, so to dis- disregard everything Thierry Henry did for the club and to start abusing him off the back of that would have been wrong. And um, I'm, I'm glad that social media wasn't as prevalent then as it is now, because my God, can you imagine the response to that? But yeah, I'm going to um, I'm going to leave it there. I think uh, a couple of really good questions, really good comments. So thank you guys, of course, um, for for your uh First of all, your understanding for the fact that I had to get up and and open the the gate midway through the stream uh, for the fact that, you know, you you continue to put good, sensible comments in the chat box and ask really good questions. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow, we've got a jam packed day here on the Chronicles of Aguna. That's Thursday. So at lunchtime, I'll be bringing you my 11 as well as the prediction for the game against Slavia Prague. We'll be doing a live watch along. The watch along is back. So I'll be bringing you that. And then, of course, we'll be doing something post-match as well. So uh, keep your eyes uh, eyes peeled and uh, turn your notifications on. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. Make sure you hit the like button if you haven't already. In fact, let's check in right now. How many likes have we got on the stream? We have got 28. Come on, we can get that up to 50, surely. By the time we leave, I'll be back very, very soon with more. Until next time, take care and have a good evening. Ciao. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguda, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.